0: the stagger podcast oh, God, welcome into the stagger podcast i'm jd smith he's Derek smith and we have got a lot to talk about this week buddy we got some nascar action to talk about we got some road of outlaws stuff to talk about too Derek. yes sir high side and handsome right is that what they say high wide and ha- high side high, what wi- i don't know that's going I don't... on the
1: high side and he's <sighs> handsome um, yeah,
0: all like I that. know is that Boyer said it about five million times too many on the Homestead broadcast. Because I mean, when I, I
1: think handsome, I think Donnie Schatz. I mean, that's just... <laughs> I mean, who <laughs> hey, doesn't, man. right? Hey, I don't, care what, <laughs> I don't care what you say about Donnie
0: Schatz. One of the all-time greats, for sure. Uh, so we will talk plenty of action from Las Vegas, Cup Series, Xfinity, the Truck Series. We'll get all that for you. Uh, later this week, we are going to actually preview up the Phoenix race. We're going to get to talk to an actual Cup Series driver uh, we're going to talk to uh, Quinn Houth, who's going to join us, uh, jump on the show. So we're going to get to talk to him. We've talked to Charlie Langenstein from uh, Starcom Racing, one of their uh, mechanics, one of the guys in charge of building those cars. So we're going to continue the Starcom love here. We're going to talk to them. And we're going to plenty of good questions here. We'll ask all about uh, a lot of different things in his career, get to know him a little bit more because I think uh, people have an idea Of what they know about Quinn, but we're going to get to know him for real and find out a little bit more about that guy driving in the eight ball chocolate whiskey car, which is cool. I'll try that. Yeah, I do too. I've never had chocolate whiskey, but I'm definitely up for it. Well, maybe
1: we could, uh, you know. Make a little work, a little angle
0: like. That's not how this works. We don't. We don't get people on the show and then be like, "Can you send us some of the stuff that sponsors your car?" I'm just wanting not, free
1: alcohol. That's all I'm looking at. Trying. I to, I just want to get. I'll get, tell
0: you what I do want to do. I just want to get to a race where I can drink some alcohol and chill out and watch a race
1: and, and sooner we're going on these people that we're talking to and the, yeah, the, the crew chief guy or the the crew guys and the drivers. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, man. dude,
0: yeah, I'm so looking forward to get back to the track. Hopefully sooner than later almost pulled the trigger on some Atlanta tickets and then was looking at the times and how long it takes to get down there. Cause we're in Ohio. And I just, I love Atlanta as a track though. I want to get there and watch a race there before they resurface that thing, which I hope they never do, but I know they will. I just want to get out there and watch a race again or, or see yeah, a race they, there.
1: Yeah. Before they tear it, tear it all apart and make it uh, all nice and fresh. I mean, it, they should have speed bumps on that and humps and like Bondo bits like like Daytona that one year they, they don't need to ever that track should look like a wasteland before they ever repave yeah although that's, that's, my, that's that same
0: opinion. weekend we do have Sebring uh that same weekend as Atlanta so you can watch that too so there's a lot of good racing action coming up here in the next few weeks we're excited about it uh but one thing we want to talk about before we get into the NASCAR stuff World of Outlaws uh there's there's been some interesting results in the World of Outlaws if you've not been paying attention to it we'll uh We'll get you all the details on that, because this past weekend, you had yet again two new winners. You had uh, Aaron Reitzel and Carson Macedo, both get W's uh, as they were running down in Florida. Two guys who, if you follow sprint cars, uh, especially the wing sprints in Ohio, uh, people who follow sprint car races in Ohio have seen a lot of Aaron Reitzel over the last few years and a lot of Carson Macedo. Those two guys are really talented drivers. Both have run with the All Star Circuit of Champions, and now they're up there winning races with the World of Outlaws. Uh, they are running a full schedule with the Outlaws this year, so really yeah. cool stuff for those guys. We're we're excited for them.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see how they're going to work with the other. Was it It's thir- 15 total drivers in the Outlaws, right? Um, you've got a loaded field there. So what is that going to look like with them? I don't want to say going up to the Outlaws, but I guess that's kind of the... It is going the up to I mean, isn't it? The, yeah. the
0: World of Outlaws is... I mean, that's the show. That's the... For people who don't follow dirt track racing, that is the big deal. You know, you go...
1: The World of Outlaws. Of course. The guy says, right? But the,
0: the All-Star yeah. Circuit of Champions uh, is also great and, and, is, and is a series that is comparable in many ways to the World of Outlaws. And a lot of times those guys will run you know same track a lot of the races that have happened in florida have featured both series but here's a quick rundown of all the guys who are currently running world of outlaws just so people can know aaron so we talked about carson macito who we talked about he's running for jason johnson uh racing so that's very cool bill rose brad sweet the big cat brock zierfoss he's a posse guy out of pennsylvania he also was with the all-star circuit of champions David Gravel's been up there for a few years now running World of Outlaws. Donnie Schatz, the legend, the GOAT, maybe the GOAT? I don't know, but he's up Mm. there. We can have that discussion at some point. But Donnie Schatz is back again. After a disappointing year for him last year, he only won five races. Which is a little <laughs> shocking if you haven't, you know, Only paid attention. Only won
1: five races. Well, like for Donnie Shots, that's most sprint car drivers are like, hey, five races. I that's won a, five World of Outlaw features. That, that's some good it's Pretty great. Right yeah, yeah, that's.
0: It's just not normal, Donnie Shots' performance. No. That's all. Uh, that's true. Jacob Allen uh, is running like, once again. The World of Outlaws. Jason Sides, longtime runner in the World of Outlaws. Craig Kinzer, uh, Logan Schugart, Mason Daniel, the law firm Parker Price Miller. Wayne Johnson, and then finally rounding out the field, who had a this guy had a banner year last year and the pride of Worcester, Ohio. Our guy Sheldon Hodenshield, son of the wild child, baby. Uh, we love Jack, we love Sheldon, so rooting for those guys. But yeah, there you go. That's your World of Outlaws series this year, yeah. Derek. Thoughts on thoughts on that lineup? That's that's a pretty stacked lineup. Any track you go to to see Brad Sweet, Donnie Shots. Uh, you know, Sheldon Hodden Shield, like these are, these are some big name dudes right there.
1: I mean, let's face it. If the track promoters had to hire you and me as drivers on the sprint car series, they would still sell out because of what happened last year with the pandemic. People are just going to be excited to get out and see <laughs> racing. True. Right. That's true. Um, Cause yeah, I know people went out last year. I know there was plenty of tracks that were open and had fans, but many of us, you, you and myself included, didn't want to take that risk. Definitely did not want to take that risk with our kids or our parents or anybody else we've taken to the track before. Um, but this is the year where it's like, okay, we're all going to be back to normal uh, at some point in the summer uh, and, and it's, everyone's going to be coming back. So you're going to be treated not only to just race cars, you're going to be treated to race cars that are driven by some of the best drivers in the world of dirt. And they're going to be coming to a town near you. So this is the year that if you are trying to budget and say, what can I go to? What, uh, you know, the pandemic, let's not forget, it's been, it's been a train wreck for many families, Right everyone's had hardships of some levels but some people have had to restart their entire careers so if you're like hey i can only go to one race this year which race should i go to and you're trying to find something within two hours of your home chances are you might be able to go see a world of outlaws race for maybe for under 100 bucks with a family of four for sure yeah yeah that's probably including food yeah i mean i
0: mean world of outlaws is cool like that and that's same thing with the all-stars if you're if you're up in ohio and Ohio Pennsylvania Indiana that's that's a lot of where you'll see the all-stars but they're running more of a wider circuit now they're getting out to Iowa they're they're going up to the northeast like they always do going down south early in the season so uh, but some of the drivers that you're going to see in the all-star circuit of champions uh, Corey Eliason who's back with them after being rookie of the year I think a couple years ago uh, Justin Peck is running with them Hunter Schoenberg's running with them Lucas Wolfe uh, Kyle Reinhardt Zeb Wise but these, yep. those, those are all really good names. Uh, some of the guys, though, that I'm excited about, uh, said Justin Peck, Tyler Courtney, aka Sunshine, running a, I, apparently running with the uh, All Stars this year, which I think is really cool that he's doing a full time deal there. And then how about uh, one of the they list him now? They list him as a full time driver on the on the All Stars website. I don't know if that's the case. I didn't see a full announcement on it. But they have Tony Stewart listed as running a full schedule with the All-Stars. So yeah, anytime you can go to a dirt track and watch Tony Stewart wheel it, I don't care how old he is. I don't care how you know long he's been doing it. You, you make it a point to go watch Tony Stewart run a wing 410 sprint car. It's worth your time anytime yeah. he's doing it. So,
1: Well, think about this. You had Reitzel go. You had Macedo go. You've had others go up to the World of Outlaws. There's kind of a star void in that All-Star series. And again, there's that same deal of a lot of people that sat last year out did not go to the track. So if you want to make sure that you're getting those sellouts that you need to make sure you're getting invited back and you're having these good relationships with tracks, why not bring out your biggest, you know, your biggest star in the series in Tony Stewart, who happens to own the series? Um, it make, it makes good business sense. It makes good uh, goodwill sense um, for all these fans to be able to, to go out to an all star race. And be able to see Tony Stewart, one of the greats, riding around with their local heroes as well. Uh, it's going to make for a fantastic all-star circuit of champions this year. Yeah,
0: and for a lot of people, too, who don't know, I mean, the World of Outlaws were running this past weekend. It's not just like those drivers that we named that run that race. There's a lot of the guys we just mentioned were also at East Bay. You know, we're also at Volusia. It's just yeah. who's, who's technically... You know who whose who's 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 event? To get the points? Well, whose event is it? A points event for is more or less what it yeah. is because, like, they were also running East Bay and Volusia with the All Stars back in early February, February second and third. They were running at those places, and those were All Star races. Yeah. Donnie Schatz won one of those races, right? Logan well, Schuhardt
1: won one of those yeah. races. So we'll take a look at this. This is the point sayings as of last, from last year. Aaron Reitzel won the championship outright over Corey Eliason. This is for the All Stars uh, for the All Stars, yeah. You go down to eighth on the list. Now Corey uh, Aaron Reitzel and Eliason had over six thousand points. Coming in at number eight on the list with thirty six hundred points is Kyle Larson. Right. Well he ran, kind of a ran bunch of everything races. last year. Yeah. He ran all stars, he ran so that's the thing too is everything. So so yeah, just because you're going to an all star show doesn't mean that Donnie Schatz won't show up. Doesn't mean that Kyle Larson or Christopher Bell from NASCAR won't show up. Uh, sprint week in the middle of what, June for Ohio. Yeah. yeah. You're going to see a lot of drivers show up in those. Well, you're going to see a lot of the outlaws show. guys. A lot of the yeah, outlaws, of the guys, outlaws guys. guys will show yeah, up for see, o- Spr-
0: Ohio sprint week. It's just that. the
1: see C and D mains this year for sure. Yeah.
0: Well, that's those those races, though. Again, it just goes back to who are the points payers. And more than that, if there's an all-star circuit of champions race, and you want to win the all-star circuit of champions, you have to show up to that race. Like if you want to be the champion of that series. So if there's a world of Outlaws show and an all-star show on same nights in different States, the all-star guys are going to pick the all-star race. The outlaws guys are going to go to the outlaws race. And then everybody in between is going to see, you know, if the outlaw shows in Pennsylvania, all the PA posse guys are going to be there. You know, if the outlaw show is in Ohio, a lot of the Ohio runners are going to be there. You know, guys that we talked about last week with Ryan Broughton. So yeah, we have a lot of love for the dirt track stuff, and we don't talk about it enough, but season's getting ready to get underway. We're less than a month away from Attica opening night uh, at that track, and that'll be, of course, for the All-Star Circuit champions, their kind of main opener to the season. Uh, but also, I think on the 27th, I think Waynesfield's starting up, which is uh track up by Indian Lake uh, in Ohio. So if you're if you're in that region of the state or if you're in Ohio and you want to go out to a race, you're going to have a chance here in the next month, assuming we don't get rained out, but that's, <laughs> that's, <March> the, <laughs> in Ohio, that's the, they should that's put, the million dollar question. They right should there. put rain on the driver's list as like one of your competitors every year it is going to be up. rain. Yeah. The rain could, could win every single night. It's a threat. So there you go. All right, let's talk the cup series. Let's talk NASCAR, because if we're going to talk about dirt stars, you mentioned him, Kyle Larson, of course, a lot of love for him in the dirt track community. Kyle Larson wins at Las Vegas, and we'll talk about the the on-the-track part of that, then we'll talk about the the off-the-track part of that. Uh, On the track, one of the best cars of the day. Hendrick cars had speed pretty much all day, but Larson, on a a mile-and-a-half track, he has finished second nine different times. We're very familiar with his finish with uh, uh, Kyle Busch a couple years ago at Chicagoland. Slide job! Slide job! (laughs) So we're very familiar with all that. Uh, finally got it done on a mile and a half track. What do you think this signifies for the career of Kyle Larson, as just as far as getting it done on a mile and a half track?
1: Um, I mean, it's it's finally good for him to see uh, the the fruits of his labor. Um, I mean, if you show up to to do something and you're you can see the end result. I'm thinking in my head about sales. So you're you know you're trying to get top chart of the sales and you keep coming second. That's great. decent paycheck but if you want to be first you got to find that extra something you got to do the extra part to make sure you get it done and it's uh it's rewarding for Kyle Larson it's rewarding for his team they were super excited uh I even heard that the paint scheme uh was a throwback to Ricky Hendrick yeah uh, it's very similar it's very similar to the truck that he used um, to drive yeah oh a whole bunch of whole bunch of things that came out of that that was pretty good um so yeah I'm I'm excited to see him come back I'm excited to see him win the race and and he put on a clinic out there mario andretti chimed in and said if you don't like that in you know, pretty much that you know he just said like this is one of the best nascar races that he's seen and that he called kyle larson a racer
0: well you know what let's talk about the race because it, it was that actual the racing in especially the first stage i mean i forget how many passes for the lead they said they had it was something like over 30 uh, during the uh, under green flag conditions. And that's something that they said the last two races combined at Las Vegas did not have as many passes under green flag conditions as they had in the first stage. So it was mm-hmm. it was quite a day as far as uh, those passes for the lead. But it kind of started to even out eventually. And, and you saw some of the talent and the power come to four. And to go back to Kyle Larson, you said, I wonder, you know, like you have to find that extra gear, right? You have to find that extra thing mm-hmm. to get from being second all the time to being number one. Uh, that extra gear is probably, well, I, I don't know. I was going to say it's probably Hendrick and probably the extra oomph from that organization. But then again, this is a guy who was in position to win multiple times. Not that, Ganassi Power and 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 their their cars are really good. They just aren't the same level typically as the Hendrick equipment. But he was in position to win many times and just had to sort out restarts and everything else. I think what would have been interesting to see is if they had a really late restart what would have happened there you know because uh as it was he just kind of took off and was cruising for a victory and i, I don't know i think at least 25 yeah. laps or so to go uh he he was out there and he was the best car so
1: well, i mean there was a there was a thought that for a few laps daniel suarez might hold off on those old tires <laughs> i mean it was i think they were saying oh he's Would've three been... seconds back he's two and a half seconds back and he was like a second back on the back stretch yeah and he made up that second By the time they got in turn one.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the tire thing was a big deal. You couldn't stay out. And I know Vegas isn't quite as bad of a tire track as some other places like Homestead are, like Atlanta will be. But, yeah, you still can't run run tires that are that old that long and expect to stay out in front of a guy on new tires
1: for sure. I'll tell you this much, though. Daniel Suarez finished 16th at the road course, finished 15th at Homestead, and was out there leading laps with 30-something laps to go. He was he led, you know, double digit laps there almost. I know he was it was a failing strategy. I get that. But Trackhouse is 4 races old as an organization. You could you look at another organization that is 4 races old and they would love to have the stats that Trackhouse has. And that's 2311 Racing. They haven't yeah. had the best of times. So for them to have Camping World on the truck, which or the car, which I'm sure that that maybe was planned prior to this weekend, maybe was a product of what happened with the truck race this weekend. Um, I mean, I think it was great for Daniel. We all got to hear, see him, know that he's still very well alive in the sport and got to hear that great joke that that Clint Boyer had about him and uh, Daniel being great. He misses being in the driver's meeting because him and Daniel didn't speak good English, so they could (laughs) could commiserate over that. Sure, I guess that's
0: the two different ways of it. Yeah, absolutely. That's true. Um, and Clint
1: Boyer in the booth is probably one of the best editions of 2021.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's definitely interesting, him and Jeff Gordon. Sometimes I think they laugh a little too much. Not not that I, I don't mind the fun. It's that like sometimes Boyer will have a line that's just kind of like halfway funny and Jeff Gordon acts like it's the funniest thing he's ever heard. And it's like, yeah. all right, just calm down, Jeff. Like, we get it. Your buddies. It's cool. You can laugh. You don't have to like fall over laughing. Um, speaking of Jeff Gordon, that's one of the guys Kyle Larson thanked uh after the race. He thanked him. He thanked obviously Rick Hendrick uh for giving him another chance in the sport. That always, of course, is going to beg the question why did he need another chance? And uh that leads us to the off the track portion of this stuff. And, you know, for those who don't know, I was a big Kyle Larson fan, as big as they come. I'm a huge guy. But also, I mean, I, I had been rooting for him. We talked about how much we love dirt track stuff. I rooted for Kyle Larson for many, many years. Um, yeah, I remember watching the, the, uh, Daytona race, uh, that they had with the Xfinity series, or maybe it was even nationwide series back then when he had his horrific wreck at Daytona in that white 32 car. I mean, I, I remember watching this guy's career coming all the way up. And so last year when all that went down, we've talked about it. It was really frustrating for me that, you know, I mean, the guy used the N word and a hard R inward at that, uh, on a stream where he thought he wasn't being listened to by people. And I always think you can tell the character of somebody when you find out what they're doing when they think no one's watching or listening. We talk about that all the time. Like that's on every I bet every garage you go into in a NASCAR garage, there's some sign up that says like, you know, character is what you do when no one's looking. You know, like how much work are you putting in in the off season, you know? Well, that's what that's meant in those situations in sports, but it also applies here. We're like, what kind of person are you when no one's looking? That's the kind of person Kyle Larson was. So yeah, I took it really seriously. I threw out all my Kyle Larson stuff, got rid of all that crap. Uh, I am never going to root for that guy again. As far as like a wear a t shirt, cheer for him, any of that. Um, quite honestly, not my guy. Like I, I, I know some people think that's harsh, but I've cut out family members for shit like that. So <laughs> if I would do it to a family member, I'm definitely doing it to Kyle Larson. Now that all said, that's my personal relationship as far as like to a driver being a fan, I feel like you do have a relationship that the other, you know, the driver doesn't know about, but you as a You're fan a
1: scorned racing fan. It makes sense. I get it. Right. So like I I just
0: can't I can't ever look at him the same way. I lost a lot of respect for him when that happened. Now a lot of people have since pointed out, look what he's done since though. Look look how good he's done since. And there have been quite a few people making this point. I think it's fair no one doubted what he could do on the track. It's all about what he's doing off the track. And if all that off the track stuff that we saw in the off season was just PR, then then that's, that's not, to me, really a change. That's just a guy trying to save his job. Um, but, you know, he won yesterday. We knew that that was probably going to happen at some point this year. Too good of a driver. Really good equipment. Hard to deny that he was probably going to get a victory. Four races in – Uh, It's a little bit shocking that he did get it done that quickly. But here we are. Kyle Larson wins. I want to ask you, Derek, what did you think about seeing after the race, like hearing the cheers from the crowd after that? What did that because that to me kind of turned my stomach a little bit, not that he needed to be booed, but I don't know. It just it just felt weird cheering this guy as if he was some like conquering hero when the only thing he conquered was his own stupidity.
1: I think you have to remember a couple of things here. It was probably the first race for a lot of those people to see in person. And it was a great race. So they're probably just cheering the race in of itself. He does one of the things Kyle Larson does better than anybody else is a burnout. His burnout was on on point, burned out for the campers in the back back of the backstretch, um, then did a show in front of the, front of the fans here. So there's probably some of that of uh, people like, hey, you know, this is great. Kyle Larson or, or drive, race car driver wins, race car driver burning out, race car driver on top of hood or top of a roof pumping a fist in the stands. Yay, race car driver. It's probably a little bit of that. There obviously was Kyle Larson fans in the stands, so there's obviously that. And then probably, too, there's a lot of people that are like, oh, cool, second chance. Right? So there is some of that. I wouldn't say it's fully like, yep, we all agree with everything that you've said and done in life. And now we are here to celebrate you as a human being. A lot of it's just like, hey man, great race. Yeah, um, yeah, that's fair. So that's th- fair. there's probably some of that, but also too, I think one thing I was hoping for is he had that the the really cool new camera that they debuted at the Super Bowl. Uh, he had the the entire NASCAR community watching him in that moment, and I wish he would have said something like, "Hey, I've come a long way, I've learned a lot, and because of that, I want to donate a portion, not even all, a portion of my winnings to." His foundation one of the things his foundation has worked with, one of the communities in Philadelphia that he's that he brought up when he was on his rehab tour, his uh, rehabbing image tour, I should say. Um, that he he works with inner city youth in Philadelphia. Maybe he is gonna donate that. Maybe that comes up this week that he donated a portion of his check. I wish he just would have said, Hey, here I am back at the top, top of the mountain again. And I wanna let you know that I'm still continuing the conversation because it needs well, to happen. I, you but know what that's a that's
0: that. a re- that's a really good point though. I want to pause there for a second because something that I didn't think of until you just said that. That is a missed opportunity that Kyle Larson could have done. Not necessarily maybe maybe not donating his salary. But yeah. but even if he had done something that said, hey guys, you know I'm so happy I won this in this moment, but I want people to know something. This last year was really difficult for me because of my own stupidity. I made a lot of stupid mistakes in my life But something I've learned throughout the years is that when you have a platform, you need to use that platform in a positive way. So with everybody listening, I want to say one of the first things that come out of my mouth after I win this race is that I stand with Black Lives Matter. I stand with people who are trying to make positive change. And I hope that if you're watching this and you judge me by my previous actions, I hope you will understand that I'm changing and other people can change too. Maybe not. Maybe he doesn't need yeah. to go full Ivan Drago. Rocky I can Four. <laughs> you you can, can change. We can, we can change. Change. We all change. Yeah, man. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we don't need that. But like, <laughs> just imagine if he. Imagine all the people who follow him. Who, let's be honest, there's a lot of crossover between people who boo Bubba Wallace and people who cheer for Kyle Larson. Right? Like, uh, I,
1: is that wrong? Yeah. Nope. There are
0: a lot of people in the last year who said Kyle Larson got screwed over by the PC crowd, blah, blah, blah. And then at the same point when Bubba Wallace said Black Lives Matter, they were like, oh, get that politics out of NASCAR, blah. It would have been something if Kyle Larson had did. Hey, I, Bubba Wallace went up and stood with him. I don't know if you all saw that. Bubba tweeted about this after the race, went up in victory lane and congratulated Kyle Larson and said, you know, you overcame a lot and- you know, now proud I got, of you. I got tweet and, right here. Okay, what did it he says, say?
1: Proud and happy for Kyle Larson racing. Told him way to keep his head through it all. We all knew it was a matter of time. Nice dub, young money. Y O U N G. In case you're wondering how the spelling yep. is. Right. Called. Yeah. So, yeah. so there you and go. Then, that
0: was that yeah. was that was a very nice thing that Bubba Wallace did not have to do. And I'm not saying Kyle Larson can remember all this. He won a race, right? I mean, it's it's yeah. it's hard to keep all that in focus. But given well, yeah. everything that's been going on, it just would have been nice to see him say. And for those of you who don't get it, I didn't get it. Join me, you know, well, and like and in, hey, in this new still... awakened pathway that I'm on. Well, and, and it would and be nice. Maybe we'll maybe we'll see that in the next few weeks. I'd love for him to take a stand and go on the record on like Black Lives Matter, equality in the sport, things like that. That would be really great for him to do.
1: Yeah. And one thing I'm noticing too, is that like, I'm seeing there's opportunity for bridge moments and things like that. Like I remember reaching out to someone that's just this week that I was like, Hey, like we had a good conversation catching up on things. And then I know that we had been on different aisles politically in the last election cycle. And I remember saying, Hey man, I know I was probably a jerk to you at times with some of my responses to what you posted or blah, blah, blah. Sorry about that, man. Uh, Looking forward to getting back to, to the connection point that we had, which is was something that we both enjoyed together. And that person was like, yeah, me too, man. I'll, that stuff always brings worse of me. But I was like, I mean, I still continue the conversation, but I'm going to try to do it from a from point of we have from a level of respect, right? So there's yeah. those things that you don't have to go full social justice, you know, warrior, essentially, like, maybe I'd love to see Kyle Larson go that way. But you can you can start those conversations. And if you can bring people from you know, 10 on this side of the aisle to like a six, and then down the road they work their path to like, you know, understanding more of the other side. I think that's gonna help out. And at the end of the day, there's a big opportunity for Kyle Larson to say, hey, I made a mistake. It shined a light on a part of my soul or my mind or whatever, who I was the person I didn't know I had or blind spot and it opened this, it shined a lot of people I didn't even know they had to struggle with that word. Or just the the connotation of what that word brings. It's a word, but everything behind that word is is centuries of oppression, right? Yeah. So yeah. that's the thing I think that that he could, and I, I honestly hope that once the dust settles, he, it, as far as like excitement, joy, high fiving his teammates, you know, Monday morning post meeting, Tuesday morning, whatever the time they do their their recap meeting, I hope he can go out to, uh, you know, the next race this week and just be able to say, okay, all right, I got some. I got, I got some perspective now. Now I got a platform. There's less pressure, no chase or, no, or sorry, no chase, no playoff to worry about. I'm already in it. So now i got a few months to figure out my team, figure out my card, hopefully figure out some sponsors and Oh, Hey, uh, dum. dumb, dumb that, I mean, I'm not calling him that, but like, if you don't think that having this conversation will, will get you the ability to get back in with some sponsors. Um, just look at what Bubba Wallace did speaking out against racism that has been very lucrative for him. And I'm not saying that in a, in a bad way. I'm saying it in a, like he spoke his mind, spoke his heart, put his heart out there and caught a lot of crap from fans. And Kyle Larson, a lot of your fans will not like you for speaking out against racial injustice. Well, wow, but here's the but, thing though, man, it, here's the thing though. I'll say will, this. You will do the right thing and you'll get more <laughs> sponsors too.
0: Dude, if that's, that's an interesting point though. Cause if his fans will leave him because he says black lives matter, but they wouldn't leave him when he said the N word, Tells you all I need to know about the people who would do that, right?
1: This is America.
0: Well, don't get you slipping up, right? I'm saying, like, (laughs) so, so that I think you're right. Like Kyle, that's what I'm saying. Kyle Larson has a platform to move the people who would probably just they need to think about it more. They need to hear about it more. They need to constantly kind of see it in their face. And for him to do a 180, that is a big deal. And look, if you think that this is not important, he's just a race car driver go ask a corporate sponsor if it's important for them to say the name of the corporate sponsor at the end of the race right like if he if if he wins like he did and he you know didn't have a sponsor on the car he had Hendrick on the car he did thank his sponsor It was Rick Hendrick yep. but if you know if he won and he had a sponsor on that car he would it would be ridiculous for him not to talk about that like, that's what I'm saying is it does matter what these guys say. They're paying millions of dollars to say something after a race about McDonald's or DoorDash or, or you know, whoever. Lowe's, like, uh, I guess they're not in sport anymore. Allied, like, whatever. The point is they're paid money to talk about these other products. There's nothing wrong with him at some point bringing highlight to something, especially when you don't have a sponsor to get in. Bring a highlight to something that could change and help the situation a little bit more. Uh, We'll take a break when we come back. A little bit more from the Cup Series. Bad days continue for Matt DiBenedetto. Uh, We will discuss the issues there. And you mentioned it earlier, Bubba Wallace did not have the best day again. His crew chief spoke out about that. We'll wrap that up. Also talk Cup point standings, Xfinity race, and the truck race. That's all next. You're listening to the Stagger Podcast. All right, welcome back to the Stagger Podcast. You know, we got talking about who won the race and some of the other things. We didn't even actually go through, like, the top 10. I don't know, Derek, do you have the top 10 from the Las Vegas race Yeah, right there? I Let's absolutely. run through
1: real quick after Kyle Larson. Who else So right. had a good day? So top 10, you obviously have Kyle Larson winning, Brad Keselowski in second, Kyle Busch in third, Denny Hamlin, who got passed by Kyle Busch right at the last few laps, finishes fourth. Ryan Blaney finally off the Schneid gets top five. Yeah. Martin Truex gets the top six. Christopher Bell, uh, top seven. William Byron, Willie B, number eight. That's in the a, lineup.
0: I think what you mean to say is Bill Byron because that's his name. We're not Bill calling. Byron. We're done with yes. Bill. We're done with William Byron and Willie Byron and Slick Willie B. Billy it's, B. It's it Bill Billy Byron. B. Bill Byron who drives. I, Promise you, he drives like an '83 Oldsmobile in the Cups, in the Winston Cup Series. It, That's know, what his name honestly, sounds like—is
1: Bill Byron. Quick aside: Logano ninth, Eric Jones, great job in the 43. Oh, Eric got 10. a top ten after but, that. It's well, great. let me get That's back good. to Billy Byron here, All right? Because if if William Byron wants to set himself apart, I mean, it's probably not him. He would be forced, but I would love to see this attempt. You know how you got Jordan Taylor, Rodney Sanders, Sandstorm, whatever yeah. his alter ego. What if you had Billy Byron? Like, I mean, like like I'm thinking like Uncle Drew, Kyrie Irving kind of vibes here. What if you had Billy Byron who just like went to a Hendrick dealership as like a car salesman, balding hair, like get the makeup. Oh, get the yeah, yeah, on. yeah. I see. Like, and, and you have Billy Byron, you know, car salesman extraordinaire talking about, and it could be a Chevy thing. Could talk about the Silverado and it could just be over the top. And at the end, he's like, oh, and by the way, rips the mask off. I'm William Byron, driver of the number 24. I mean- <laughs> You wanted like, to
0: so you wanted to do like a you wanted to do the Uncle Drew thing, but to I wanted to cars. do the Jeff
1: Gordon Jalopnik thing. Yes,
0: yeah, the Jeff Gordon I thing do, was pretty yeah, great. With I want the him Pepsi, to do it was Pepsi like Max.
1: Was the Pepsi Max? But yeah. he had he had the Jalopnik rider. the Danica lift thing she did before too, where she had like a little beanie on and was driving people around downtown Charlotte. Yeah, that one was funny want, though
0: because I think half those people in that were like. This is Danica Patrick, right? Like, like she wasn't that disguised that well. Like, She's she like, looked hey guys, like Danica, Danica Patrick What the beanie. Like, they're like, we me. we know you look just Danica. like her. You look like Danica Patrick. That's what you look like. <laughs> and then all you've talked about in the car was like, do you like Danica Patrick? Do you like going fast? It's like this is weird. We know you're Danica Patrick, <laughs> Danica. We know it's you. Just just stop doing that. Uh, uh, <laughs> all right. So here's where your your cut points yeah. stand. After four races now, this is the playoff standings as they sit. Uh, Denny Hamlin is uh, number one in the points. Brad Kozlowski, number two. Kyle Larson is three. Chase Elliott is four. Christopher Bell is five. Logano, Harvick, Truex, and Michael McDowell are six through nine. Kurt Busch, number 10. Bill Byron, 11th. Dele Dele, Austin Dillon at 12. Ryan Priest hanging tall in the 13th spot. Kyle Busch, Ryan Blaney, and Chris Boucher rounding out your top 16. Uh, Now, so Michael McDowell we have in the top, you know, 16 in points. Uh, We have Bill Byron in the top 16 in points. We have Christopher Bell in the top 16 in points. And Kyle Larson. So all of our winners so far this season are all in the top 16 as far as points go. Um, Yeah. The guys who are sitting on the outside in right now – Little surprises here. Alex Bowman sitting 18th. I'm a little shocked by that. Bubba Wallace, who we'll talk about some of his troubles, he is 20th. Tyler Reddick, 23rd. Not ideal for him. Uh, and Matt De Benedetto sitting in 30th. Now mm. here's here's why those guys should not panic just quite yet. Obviously, it's tell only me f- why. It's tell only four. Why. It's only four races in. Well, that's Right. True. But Ryan Blaney is sitting 15th in the points now. Last week I want to say he was 28th or 26th or 29th in the points. You know, he had had a few bad weeks in a row. So one really good week vaulted him up into the top 15. So you can't go too many more weeks and have bad after bad after bad, right? But if if you can string together a couple top 10s at Phoenix and at Atlanta, suddenly you're probably going to be back if you're if you're Alex Bowman, you're going to be fine. You know, if you're Tyler Reddick, yeah. you're gonna be fine if you can if you can get those type of finishes. Even Matty D, if he can get two top tens or two top fifteens, that'll start to put his season back together a little bit. And here's why that needs to happen quick. Cause we talked about last week, or I talked about in your absence, Derek, that you know, he was having a bad first three weeks of the season. Well, yeah, he really was frustrated yesterday on Twitter. He spouted off about this. He said, uh, you know, a bunch of things and then later actually posted an apology tweet saying, sorry, I was so frustrated, but, you know, it's just, I want to see this team succeed and it's frustrating that it's not happening. It's stuff that in this case was out of their control. Yeah. So they had speed all day. The Penske mm-hmm. cars had speed too, which was, a, I'm sure, a great sign for for that group because, uh, you know, they, they needed to show it. They had not really shown it uh, at Homestead in the way that I think we thought. And I always kind of group in, the Wood Brothers with the Penske group because that's their technical alliance. But Matt Benedetto had a top 10 car, was running up in the top 10 most of the day after finishing, starting, what, 30th or something like that? Yeah. Uh, But they had an issue with the pit gun on the final pit stop. And when he went out, they they didn't change his left front tire. They couldn't get it off. Mm. So Mm. he just ran the final part of the race with a left front tire that was already worn. Now, the left front... From a, you know, standpoint of the technical aspects of it, the load that is borne by the car is on the right side. You know, when you're turning left, the car wants to go to the right. So a lot of the weight transfers to the white to the right. So the left side tires are not as important, but it's certainly at a track like this. They're going to be more important than say at like Daytona. You didn't see anybody taking right sides only. You know what I mean? So
1: it it was still a big deal. Yeah, it's still a big deal. But also, too, like, I mean, Wood Brothers, this is the iconic team that set up the the genesis of this whole team choreo- choreography of a pit stop. Yeah. And and I did not exactly see this pit stop, but I'm wondering, did they have a spare gun? Did they have a third gun ready to go? Because if, if you can't get a... If the gun's not firing, you got to hold it up and someone's got to toss you another gun. And you got to put that one in. If that doesn't work, maybe that's what happened. They had two bad guns. I'm not sure. But what I do know is that it's 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 odd to see that happen with this team. who's usually got a good pit, pit team. But also, too, this is Matt Benedetto looking at the four drivers. I mean, the four drivers that he's competing and in, in, in the points with, he's down there. Cole Custer's ahead of him. Uh, Chase Briscoe's ahead of him. Michael McDowell is ahead of him. And you kind of look around and go – Where are the, I mean, are you going to take Ryan Newman or Matt DiBenedetto? Maybe longer term, you think Matt DiBenedetto in the sixth car? Like if he's staying with Ford, where's that seat next year? You're talking about as a free
0: agent next year. Absolutely. He's a free agent. So
1: that pressure, usually it comes in the summer. I think he's already feeling the pressure right now. Yeah. Like, I mean, he and he's always raced with one-year deals. And if he can just, I mean, and this is the year, I mean, he's also seen Michael McDowell win. That's got to, that's got to frustrate He's seen William Byron get a win. That's not a Daytona. That's got to frustrate. He's yeah. seen Christopher Bell get a win before him. That's got to frustrate him. Now he's in better equipment and probably a better driver, but still, I mean, Matt DiBenedetto is like, this is my time to shine. And he keeps getting, you know, like, like even look at the Kyle Larson, that ride was open. Technically Matt Benedetto could have been a candidate for that spot. There is Kyle Larson winning a race yesterday. So it's, this has got to be kind of like, you know, you're standing in the line at the basketball court and there's 15 guys that you're grouped with and the captains are picking and people you think you're better than, or that you think you should be getting picked on this team. You're still in the pool of people waiting to get picked. And yeah, you know, you're looking at next year, there might be a chance where the last person's picked and sorry, buddy, odd numbers sit and wait till the next one. And he might be there with it without a drive. And that's what I think he's feeling the pressure of. And he always strikes me as someone who lets the pressure kind of eat away at him. And I hope he can overcome that. Because yeah. I hope he can yeah. he can be the driver that we all know that he can be. And we start just start making top fifteen, top tens being your goal and go from there. You
0: know, and be, I'm not saying all. that this is ideal, but if if it for some reason does not I can't imagine him not getting a ride in a cup series team next year. Um, but I wonder if if in and in, in this is a question that I think I'll have for Quinn half too when we talk to him later this week you know what if you are mad to Benedetto and let's say next year you do not get a ride at a top team and instead your offers are coming from you know the the, the back 20 of the field right that's that's where your offers are coming from but let's say I don't know a team down you know colleague racing type of team calls you like they did out AJ Almendinger and says let's do a full-time deal this year you know, in the Xfinity series, I wonder if he would mm-hmm. think about dropping down to be a premier Xfinity ride, and then just make that your career. You know, I don't know if that's if that's something he's willing to do. I obviously can yeah. understand why he would not want to, uh, yeah. and I hope and I hope that's not the case for him because I think he is a Cup Series driver, and I think he's got the talent to do it. But uh, you know, I I would be fascinated to know what the thought process is there, and you know, that's that's what I I wonder what he would think if 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 his options next year become Rick Ware Racing or one of these other type of teams, as opposed to, you know, getting a call well, from a bigger team,
1: you know, you say, I, yeah, I was going to say, you say Rick, Ware racing, which that's always hard for me to say. It's like rural. I got racing. Like, yeah. Um Rick, 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 Rick Ware rural racing. racing. Yeah. That would be Rick, quite the time. If, if, right if rural King sponsors them, I'm done. I'm yeah. done. I'm not, I'm not talking about the, the, the 52. Yeah. Rural King. Will uh, get you out. We're talking about for sure. Or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I would say this though, um, Rick Ware, uh, StarCon, all these teams, Spire. These are teams that could be in good position with different equipment, with more homogenized equipment, I should say. Yeah. And with the new car coming out now, yes, the new teams usually do have a little bit of a leg up because of technology and things like that. But if you're eliminating a lot of the parts and pieces and the little things that, um, that everyone's kind of starting back at square one, I think you might see an ability for teams to be a little bit more competitive, for it to be more in the drivers' hands potentially. Yeah. So maybe the car doesn't matter as much next year as it does this year. So all may not be lost. You might see a lot of drivers who you're like, oh, he's going to that team or that team. Yeah, that I still driver? think I still like, think he might though have some of that next year.
0: We'll we'll see how that plays out. That's a and that's what, that's obviously one like, of the things we're hoping is to see more competitive racing, like what we saw at Las Vegas. But yeah. I know this too. You know, they've kind of put a freeze on all the technological development for this year. Uh, I think yep. at the end of last year, they did that, basically. And, and most teams, anyway, would have done it on their own because they're saying, we want to build towards 2022. We want to mm-hmm. make sure that car has all the development we can get. So a lot of the energy right. is going towards that in the sport right now. But look what that means. You've seen a lot more competitive racing through the first four races, I think, than most of us would have expected. So that's good. Um, yeah. One other thing before we get to uh, talking about 2311 racing, uh, Stuart Haas. Bad week for them, man. Oof. None of their four cars finished better than 20th on Sunday. Kevin Harvick from the pole. I mean, he didn't even lead around the first the lap. Pole. He was on the yeah. pole, didn't even lead the first lap because Larson and Bill Byron got around him. And then yeah. he he finished 20th. Chase Briscoe was 21st. Custer was 25th. And Eric Almirola, you know, crashed out and was 38th. That's, by the way, Almirola, that's his third finish of 30th or worse this year. He has not been better than 17th in the four races this season. So that 10 team definitely needs to get back on its feet. Quick. They need to get there. And for good news for Kevin Harvick, uh Phoenix is obviously like his best track. So
1: Well, I mean, think about this though. We said that if you wanted to have a safe bet and log the laps and all that stuff like that, Kevin Harvick for your DraftKings lineup was a sure lock. We thought so Of course, he's, he's going to get at least 50 laps led, blah 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 oh my my like i think until further bad. notice we'll still do our DraftKings like preview um but uh, until further notice go the opposite way of what we're thinking i <laughs> uh, win you some money
0: well yeah. i think we i think we should just stick to like here's a couple guys to keep an eye on not here's my winning lineup because yeah i don't think that's necessarily working out that's all right um now let's talk briefly about mike wheeler and twenty three eleven racing you know they're they're for four races into their new deal it's a brand new team and you talked about track house and how they've had moderate success given what they are having a couple you know runs inside the top 16 uh and and having their guy out front Daniel Suarez was leading laps um but this has not been the case so far for 2311 they've not really had the finishes they want so early in the race uh you had Bubba Wallace had to pull into the pits with the number 23 car and have it looked at because mm-hmm. there was a problem with the power steering. um, and, Or they, they, I don't know if they knew exactly what was going on, but they were having a problem. So he had to come in, and it turned out, the, Mike Wheeler said the O-ring on the power steering failed. And if you don't know what an O-ring... Power steering pump. Yeah, power steering pump. So an O-ring is just a... It, it's just like a little seal kind of thing that goes... Mm-hmm. It's It's one of the thousands and thousands of pieces in a race car that... If you were to see it by itself, you would not even think anything of it as being a high performance part. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. To our naked eye, if unless you are like a highly skilled mechanic or someone who understands engineering, you would look at some of these parts and pieces and just go, okay, that, that doesn't look, I don't even know what that does, but it doesn't look like it's that special. But that part is manufactured not to fail under these high intensity you know, situations that race car engines and race car components are put in. This one, he said, was dynoed and tested and never had we seen anything that looked like this part would fail and suddenly it failed us and we're not sure why. But that little of a piece can ruin your day. And it just, I think it just is a great illustrative point to when you watch a race, and I know people like to see the highlights and the crashes and stuff like that can be somewhat entertaining in the moment just to see wow look at this fireball of a wreck assuming everyone's okay but it does go to show you like an o-ring failing can cost you weeks and weeks of time that you worked on a whole bunch of people worked on that car to get it ready for las vegas to make sure they finally tuned the body just so that it could do some of the little aero tricks you know everything that they were working on with shock packages and You know, all all that stuff, all the testing they do all year long to get ready for a race like this. And then your O-ring fails and you're down five laps before you know it, you know, it just, so when you see a wreck and you think, oh, wow, that's kind of crazy. Think about all the work that goes into that because it's just such a tenuous deal. These race cars are on because one little piece can fail like that. Or a guy can blow a tire right in front of you and ruin your day too. Like there's so many things that can stop you from winning a race. That's what's amazing to me when someone actually wins a race is think of all the things that didn't go wrong.
1: Yeah. And with that, you look at the cost of these things. Have you ever been to Charlotte? They've got this, um, why have you been, you've been to Charlotte, Yeah. but they have in Charlotte, they have this, um, this Roush has a clearing house, I guess, for parts. So you can go there and buy power string pumps. You can buy all these different parts and see all these things on the shelf. These are like used parts that have been in race cars and you saw, you know, t- smaller teams with like crash carts, like pushing them along, filling up their cart and checking out like you're at a grocery store it's, it's like a costco for racing parts and that's not one of these parts that fail this is like a manufacturer part it's yeah, so right. important to have all these things in place and it's not even 2311's fault it's not mike wheeler's fault this is a part that should be sealed it's sealed and should be working
0: well, well and didn't. that's it too is and he's saying like the they time. they dyno these parts too to yeah. double check everything to like all right let's for for people who don't know a dynamometer is just something that you're it's, it's the thing where they put the engine in the room and they crank it up to 9,000 RPM and it sits there and runs for like an hour at that or or for three hours, you know, and they, they, they literally run a race on these cars as they run the engine as if it was in a race. And they test all the components and go, oh yeah, this failed after this. That's why you don't see as many engine failures anymore. It's because the testing has gotten so good. You yeah. rarely see engine failures now from the big teams especially, but that's why. It's because they've just gotten this down to a science. So when some component like this fails it's clearly not like something in the design of the engine it's just they got a bad part the like that's a big difference between our engine design was not up to snuff we got some something that we were doing where we we had the you know something out of whack in the timing of the engine or something this is not that it was just a part failed because a part broke (laughs) and there's Mm -hmm. no rhyme or reason for it and I just assume that would have to be absolutely maddening if you're a crew chief so for twenty three eleven racing, I know there are a lot of haters out there that are like waiting for this team to fail. Here's the reality: they're going to fail a lot this year because they're a first time team. You know, they're they're I'll, they're putting this whole group together. But I do think their ceiling is higher than most. Like their ceiling is higher than Trackhouse's. You know, mm-hmm. I think they've I think they will be a better team than Trackhouse. I think Bubba will do better. In that car and I do think you will see that car by the end of the season they will be regularly in the. I will say top 10 or top 12 is mm-hmm. my guess I think that would be a yep. failure if they're not
1: well I would I would at least say this too. I don't think this year is really their priority I think their their longevity is their priority and ne- with this year being old parts and pieces you know I mean if you if you snapped your fingers and 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 bubble had another year on his contract to RPM that'd been the perfect scenario. Is for them to start fresh in 2022 with brand new equipment, but they've got to they've got to do what they got to do now, and I think it's going to work out for them in the end. And they just just a reminder back in the 80s, right? It was 80s, early 90s when Hendrick was one race away from losing all of its sponsors or or, or shutting its doors because they didn't have money. And Jeff Bodine won a race, and now look at what they're doing. They're still here, 20 plus years later, clicking. Joe Gibbs Racing. They had to start off and yeah, they, they started off really well with Dale Jarrett. Um, but they had to start, every team has to start from somewhere. And I don't think this is going to be a, uh, Gillette Everham motorsports failure. I don't think it's going to be <laughs> yeah. anything like that. I think it's going to be and for long haul. You have a current, this is what Denny Hamill wants to do when he retires, be a yeah. team owner. Right. One of right. the best in the sport, um, with marketing, with connection, with, with, I, I think it's going to work out. So yeah, go ahead I, I would say as a bubble Wallace fan I'm okay with uh sitting here with my arms crossed and going okay yeah okay. it's gonna take okay. some time but and just and just waiting and then and then just watch I mean I'll be shirtless with my uh you know probably fago stains on my on my hair or whatever I don't know I'll be I don't know why I said fago but I'm gonna be i gonna be having some fun I'm not gonna <laughs> sleep tonight we do one of these Monday podcasts you're gonna be seeing a very tired raspy voice Derek here super pumped and excited yeah, yeah. um yeah like I said, shirtless too. And that'll, trust me, that'll come across in the audio. Don't worry. Yeah. You'll be like, yeah, I, he's I don't, definitely shirtless. I'll be excited. I, I, don't I know it's going it. to take some time.
0: Um, I would say, by the way, just to kind of give like a milestone on that. I mean, here's the, the cup schedule for the next few months. You got Phoenix, Atlanta, and then Bristol dirt. I think if you don't have speed by now in your car uh, at Las Vegas and Homestead, the next couple races are going to be a little tough, right? I know Phoenix is different than those tracks, but it's still a track that I think you kind of have to already have a lot of what you're doing, work in the right direction. And obviously Atlanta, it's going to be a lot similar to these tracks. You got to, you got to have that thing down. Uh, yep. April 10th, that is Martinsville. Okay. Yep. I think that's going to be one where if, if Bubba's car is not right, if or whatever car, right, name your, name your team. Uh, but Bubba especially has run well at Martinsville. You know, Mm -hmm. he won a truck race there. He was running top 10 in the BLM car last year. Mm -hmm. So I I do think Martinsville, Richmond, if you don't see him running like top 15, you know, and pushing guys and pushing for top 10s at that spot, that'll be surprising to me. Um, And then I'll be really curious to see what they look like come Kansas in May, Charlotte at the end of May at the Coke 600. Like, are they a top 15, top 10 car by then? Because in Texas for the all-star race in June, like, you know, these these are the things that I, I then wonder, where will they be by that point? And I think you'll see them further along. But those are kind of milestone tracks. I think you can look at and say, all right, well, if if by the all-star race, Bubba's not even competitive in the let's say he has to go through the open, you know, and and, and he's not even competitive in that. Like I, I that that would be where I'd start to really get some concern if in July at Atlanta for the second trip to Atlanta, they're they're not better I'd be concerned again, you know, like I don't think they have to be great at Atlanta right now in a couple of weeks, but I do think by middle of July, if they're not, if you're not seeing the speed, then probably would have a little concern about not just them, any, any car right now that's not running up to speed. Like I would, I would start to have my concerns that they haven't figured it out. Um, yeah, no, but sure. like you said, it's not about this year. It's about 10 years, you know, yeah. plus. So the, I'm just saying for their hopes this year, that's probably where they need to be. Uh, yeah. l- let's talk about the Xfinity series. AJ Almendinger getting it done for College Racing. That that is a cool story for him. He obviously was really pumped last year, won at Atlanta. Uh, has proven now he is more than just a road course ringer. The Dinger is not a ringer. He's ready to go. He's ready to run no matter He's where you got him. Cor-
1: He's an oval Dinger, oval ringer. The Dinger. <laughs> yeah, that was that was good to see Remember for him. last Emma. year when he got so pumped when he just won on an oval. oval course yeah well team, yeah he won um, atlanta
0: and he was like he, losing yeah, his he mind because was excited about it well rightfully so man because everybody right. has just pegged and him now as he's like,
1: doing it like left and right center
0: <laughs> yeah well and everybody has said you're just this guy you're just this road course guy that's all you ever be and now he he has shown it and he's he's running for a championship man i will mm-hmm. not be surprised if it, he's in the final four uh with this team and having oh, yeah. a shot to win the Xfinity championship, because that's how good this team is. Collegue was really good this weekend. And like I said, if you got speed at Vegas, I think you're going to be good at a lot of tracks. We know Dinger's good on road courses. So, I mean, yep. he, he's <laughs> – I short tracks are kind of going to be the next frontier for him to conquer. But, yeah, man, he's good on the intermediates. Short tracks got to be good there. But then he's got road courses down too. Triple threat? I don't know, but he's triple, close.
1: Triple <laughs> he's threat, close. my friend.
0: And uh, I'll, a couple other quick storylines from there. What do you you think of – have you gotten a chance to listen to much of uh, Joey Logano and Kurt Busch in the booth together? Do you like that combination? Because I I think they kind of bring an interesting dynamic, those two. Um, They're not the laugh riot that Clint Boyer is necessarily, but Joey Logano will absolutely call out something if Kurt Busch says it. You know, if Kurt Busch says something like, oh, man, I think that guy's great. It's like, didn't you just say that you thought they were bad? And they'll laugh about it. They'll move on. Joey Logano is very no nonsense in the booth. I know a lot of guys don't like him on the racetrack, but I think I think he and Kurt Busch are two of the best at explaining what's happening, uh, why they why these cars are doing what they're doing. There's no like surprise like Daryl like Daryl Waltrip used to always be like, "Well, guy, I don't know why he's doing it. I just can't. What's he doing? I don't understand." And like Joey Logano, nine times out of ten is like, "Ah, yeah, what he's doing there is he's packing air on his right rear quarter panel and just got him loose, and that's just gonna happen." Like it's no nonsense it's very technical that's what i think you need on the xfinity broadcast because who's watching that other than those of
1: us who are like nerding out on racing that's good i mean you mean to tell me that nascar doesn't race on a uh, saturday who is this kurt bush that you speak of i haven't seen him <laughs> ride for xfinity while <laughs> no that would be funny if like there's someone out there just like yeah nascar saturdays right like yeah, they just yeah. picked it up on the pandemic don't really listen to any shows it's like yeah these guys
0: Oh, like they don't know that that's not the Cup Series. They don't know
1: that that's not the Cup Series. They're like, yeah, the NASCAR cars. Yeah, I mean, I work Sundays. and It's like, yeah, what? So I just watch. I just oh, there's another the series? series. Yeah, yeah. They're, they don't even know. They're, they're like, like one person out there that has that like Truman Show. You know, God, yeah, that's like, oh I never gosh. thought
0: about that. But there probably is. There's probably somebody that's sitting there going, "This Xfinity stuff is fun." I wonder if these... What do these guys do? Logano and Kurt Bush? Do they... Re- there has to be one person who's doing everything, right? Like, think of a thing. Someone who, like, eats spiders for breakfast. There's one person who does that. I don't know who. <laughs> there's someone doing it, right? And so I'm just saying there's one person who thinks Joey Logano and Kurt Bush are just really good broadcasters, and man, someone should get them in a race car, because uh, I don't know. Maybe they could win a championship or, if they ever got into a car. <laughs> uh, by the way, speaking of the Bush brothers, in the truck series... Kyle Busch, you thought he's at Vegas. It's Kyle Busch Motorsports. Whenever he gets in one of these trucks, he's always great. He's always going to win. He's always going to win, right? Or uh, second. Yeah. Well, in this case, he didn't. John Hunter Nemechek won in his other truck, uh, and he finished second to John Hunter Nemechek, who actually beat him on the restart, which was a little interesting. But uh, Kurt B- or Kyle Busch would not have been in that position. I don't know how you confuse those two. Kyle Busch would not have been in that position if it wasn't for the fact that he spun himself out. I don't know if you saw this replay, uh, but if you missed it, you can find it on our Twitter page and on Instagram. We have the uh, video there for you. Judge for yourself. Uh, Kyle Busch caught a flat tire coming past pit road, like caught it out of turn four, had to save the truck on the front stretch on the tri-oval, basically mm-hmm. uh, at Las Vegas and keep it out of the wall going probably what? 160 miles an hour, 150 miles an hour. I mean, going real fast. He saw it on the wheel. Right rear tire goes down. That's almost instantly up into the wall. He somehow saved it and kept it going straight, but he's past pit road. So he pulls down on the apron of the track into turn one. So because you can't run at full speed on a flat tire, obviously, but going to have the inner liner, he can limp around and get back to the pits. Meanwhile, he probably would have gotten lapped and probably probably would have gone down two laps. You know, by the time you limp all the way around the back stretch, get into your pits, Get the tire changed. Get back up to speed. You're probably losing two laps to the leaders, and that's going to kill your day. So, what did he do in turn one? Spun himself out. He was well under control up until you know he's down on the banking, probably going less than 100 miles an hour, and then all of a sudden his truck just spins out. And I, <laughs> Austin Dillon was on the broadcast for this one. Who I didn't was? He, have
1: a, he had an arm itch, didn't he? Some some on his, he had an arm like scratch on his arm he had to itch it right oh like who that, who kyle, Busch kyle bush yeah, oh yeah he was, that's for like, sure he, he was scratching his arm and that's what happened i'm sure stretch. that's what it was yeah reminiscent of richmond
0: you know? yeah i'm sure that's what it was but
1: An old callback for uh uh-huh,
0: fans. absolutely yeah so austin dylan and uh mikey waltrip were both kind of i don't know they were they were trying not to say what it was but dylan couldn't help himself uh he's like um boy that's weird he spun out just saved it coming off a of four going way faster,
1: but now he's spun, Huh? Like they were just both doing that. Wow. Huh? That's weird. Uh, he didn't want to spin on the front stretch. Cause that's where, uh, that's where Austin's grandpappy's uh, hanging out. So he didn't want to be, you know, spinning out right in front of him. He wants to spin out where, uh, where Richard Childress couldn't see him and, you know, have Austin hold his watch again.
0: So <laughs> I, guess, I don't know but that whole thing, <laughs> I guess, but either way, all I know is this, like, that That is something that Kyle Busch after the race was asked about by Bob Pockers and Kyle Busch said, it, like refused to elaborate. Bob Pockers said, can you walk us through how you spun the, what happened with the truck there when you spun out? And he goes, nope. And Bob said, you're not going to tell us. You're not going to say anything. He goes, nope. And he said it three times. Like, nope, I'm not saying a word. So there you go. That's whether you think that's right or not. That's uh, mm-hmm. probably the right way to go because you know Bubba Wallace fan. Not a great idea to mention that you purposefully spun out because that'll tend to get you a fine from NASCAR.
1: So Yep. Oh, yeah. That's how that's how it rolls, my friend.
0: Yeah. If you don't want to get a fine, you probably shouldn't say that. So, all right. Uh, that is it for say us. What, right? <laughs> say mm-hmm. what? Say huh? Say I don't right, know what we're talking huh? about. Me? What? Spin out? No. Yeah. All right. That's it for us this week. Uh, next few episodes, we have got some cool things coming up for you. We're going to talk to Quinn Howe from Starcom Racing in our next podcast. We will preview up Phoenix. And don't forget the week after that, we got a ton of action coming at you because... We're getting back to Sebring. Yes, that's right. The 12 Hours of Sebring is coming up uh, on March 20th. So we are excited about the IMSA guys getting back to it. So we will have tons to talk about with that as well over the next few weeks. And of course, plenty more from the dirt world. Plenty more from IndyCar as that series gets cranked up in April. We are jacked and I hope you're enjoying the podcast. Make sure you rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Stagger Podcast. And until next time, stay safe and stay staggered.